So what comes to mind when you hear uh, the name of God, God Almighty? Uh, do you think of uh, a movie that has the word Almighty in it? Do you um, hear a parent or maybe a pastor or a grandparent talk about God Almighty? Is it a positive or a negative? I'm asking you that because today I want you to have this opportunity to dive into the scriptures with me and look at the expression of God as God Almighty in a, a fresh new way. If this is your first time joining me, my name is Lisa Pulliam. I'm the founder of More To Be. I am passionate about helping you have a fresh encounter with God and his words so that we can think biblically and live transformed. That is a passion of mine and I love having you join me in this study. So this year, 2020, we are studying the names and attributes of God using a resource I put together called Encounter God. And it's 15, uh, 15, 52 different uh, scripture cards. And these, I just printed them out on a piece of paper. And what I have been doing each week and inviting you to join me to do as well is uh, memorize that name of God and his attributes uh, that, that go along with that. Uh, take the key verse, which is right here, and then study the verse in context. And so we are in week five. We are looking at God Almighty, also uh, called El Shaddai. And in that case, I think of some old hymns and, and worship songs uh, when I hear the, the word El Shaddai. And then we're looking at Genesis 17. And so we um, previously looked at actually Genesis 16. So it's nice to have these like two chapters back to back that we are meeting God in. And I'm just going to read um, the actual verse that, that we're taking this uh, name of God away from. So verse one says, when Abraham, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God almighty, live in my presence and be blameless. That's it, right? So the problem is if we just stay in that verse, we don't understand the context of why is God showing up on the scene? Why is he talking to Abraham? Uh, what is the significance of knowing Abraham's age? Uh, what is the significance of, of this time and that we are, are having encountering God and Abraham's encountering God. And, and it's that next verse that really gives us some clue. It says, I will set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. So if you remember chapter 16, that's Hagar and Ishmael, where uh, Sarai basically concocts this plan that Abraham should sleep with Hagar and conceive a child through her uh, servant. So be, to fulfill the promises that God had said actually back in, in chapter 12 that he would give them a son. And so uh, here, this has all happened. And we, we looked at Hagar. We looked at the son Ishmael that's being promised to Hagar, uh, promised to Abraham uh, or Abraham at the time. Uh, and now God's saying, well, I'm not done with what's happening. Now, when we look at the rest of this passage, and it's really rather long, it's a good 20, let's see, 27 verses. Um, the thing that stuck, stuck out to me in this particular reading is the number of times God uses the word covenant. So as a writer who has had to sit under editors in, in writing of Meet the New You and Unblinded Faith, uh, they were really on me about choosing my word count carefully. So don't say the same things multiple times. And my first editor said to me, Lisa, you have such big ideas. You convey the example multiple times. I need you to choose one example to support one point. 
Uh, and you need to be thoughtful about your word choices so that you don't say the same thing over and over again. Well, I counted. God uh, references the covenant 12 times in 27 verses. In some sentences, the word covenant is used twice. And my takeaway, as I look at my Bible here, is that this entire passage uh, is about the covenant and it's something for us to pay attention to. So I looked up, you know, what is the, the word covenant in the original uh, Hebrew? And it means in the context of the covenant that God is making with Abraham, that it is an alliance of friendship. It is a pledge. It is a divine, ordinate, or, a divine ordinance. God is making a commitment to Abraham. And, and this is just like mind-blowing when you think about it. God has shown up. Abraham says, holy smokes, this is God Almighty literally in front of him. And he is calling Abraham to be blameless and, and in his presence and making this commitment. And what does Abraham do? Verse 3 says, Abraham fell face down and God spoke with him. So you got God Almighty, you got Abraham. Abraham's flat on his face as God Almighty speaks to him and makes a promise to him. And that is just remarkable. The God of the universe shows up on the scene again, which he has been doing throughout Genesis as we've been encountering God, uh, and, and is talking with, walking with, communing with this man that he created as a friend and is making a commitment to him. And in return, Abraham is to make a commitment back to God, and the commitment is circumcision. And so I know it's like, Wah blood. Why is that? But if you look at the, the historical context, anytime a commitment was made between two parties, uh, blood was shed. Usually animal blood was shed. And now this is the first shedding of human blood. And, you know, as I was reading through this and considering it, I couldn't help but think about, you know, God is asking, telling Abraham and his people to circumcise themselves and the amount of blood lost compared to Jesus's death on the cross and the sacrifice that God was going to make through the death of his son. And how does that change our response to who God is and Jesus's uh, commitment to us, the upholding of that covenant that was made that by faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, we may have eternal life. God made another commitment at that point in friendship with us through Jesus Christ. And, and what does that look like in our lives today? Are we like Abraham on our face before God saying, you are God almighty. I want to do it your will, your way all the time. I don't, I, I struggle with that all the time. I, I just had coffee with a friend and I said, I still don't trust God fully. I still feel like I need plan B because what if God doesn't show up with plan A? I still feel like I need to take matters into my own hand. It's not like it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but it's still an issue where I hesitate and I'm not sure that I fully trust God. And yet what God is asking of Abraham is make this commitment to me. Trust that I will do what I say I'm going to do, and I will keep my word to you. Now you keep your word to me. And you know, I, I'm like, well, did God keep his word? And so I think this is a, a good example to, to give you 
as somebody who's teaching the word of God, what happens when I don't know the answer? So I started doing some research. Now, scripture teaches scripture, and so that's helpful. And I have sat under good teaching about uh, the circumcision and what that is significant of and the Abraham covenant. Uh, covenant. Uh, but what I did is I went to Google and I looked for a particular website called gotquestions.org. Um, I will, I'm looking at it here in front of my computer. Uh, this has been a website that has been recommended by my church, uh, my, my pastor, my pastor's wife, who I've sat under for Bible teaching as a good, solid theological source to go to to get your questions answered. And so I'm just gonna read directly from it because why why make it <laughs> why make it up? So the Abrahamic covenant uh, promised many descendants, as we know, right? Um, and that nations and kings would proceed and it was a promise given to a childless couple. So that's why the age is so significant here, right? He's 99 and God is saying, I will multiply you. Uh, and Abraham's thinking, you got to be crazy. And actually, in verse 17, he fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a 100-year-old man? Can Sarah, a 99-year-old woman, give birth? So Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael was acceptable to you. He's still not believing that God can do what God says he will do. And we should take you know, comfort in that. Verse 19 uh, responds with, but God said, nope, your wife, Sarah, w Sarah will bear you a son and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as a permanent covenant for his future offspring. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will certainly bless him. I'll make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He will father 12 tribal leaders and make him in. I will make him into a great nation, but I will confirm my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. When he finished talking with him, God withdrew from Abraham. And so has that been fulfilled? And, and the truth of it is it hasn't yet fully been fulfilled. The land that was promised to Abraham and Abraham's descendants has not fully been, um, what's, what's the word? Uh, dw not dwelt. What, help me, help me. What is the, uh, it is uh, the, here. I'll read it. I'll just read this to you directly. The Abrahamic covenant included the promise of land. It was a specific land and actual property with dimensions specified in Genesis 15 and Genesis 13. God gives Abraham all the land that he can see and the gift is declared to be forever. God was not going to renege on his promise. The territory given as part of the Abrahamic covenant is expanded in Deuteronomy 30. So you can read that often called the Palestinian covenant. So centuries after Abraham died, and I'm reading from gotquestions.org, the children of Israel took possession of the land under Joshua's leadership. At no point in history, though, has Israel controlled, that's the word I was looking for, controlled all the land God had specified. There remains, uh, therefore, a final fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant that will see Israel occupying their God-given homeland to the fullest extent. The fulfillment will be more than a matter of ge geography. It will also be a time of holiness and restoration. And you can uh, uh, look at Ezekiel 20 uh, verses 40 through 44 and uh, chapter 36 of Ezekiel 1 through 37, 28. So, I mean, this is, this is, we're holding the Bible in our hands. There's a commitment made by God and we're still waiting for the complete and utter fulfillment of that promise. And so, yeah, can that leave us questioning in our faith and wondering, well, can God do what God says he can do? 
yes, he can. And that's faith that I believe that. I've seen him do things that I uh, just stand and in awe about. And then I am like Abraham, still wondering and waiting on the things that I've asked God for when it comes to a matter of salvation for my loved ones and provisions in ways that are remarkable. And some of those things maybe are just the desire of my heart and God is not gonna fulfill that because that's not what he is in line with his will. Some of those things are very much aligned with God's heart and I have to wait on God's timing for that to come through and it's not always easy. But when I think about how to respond, I want to respond like Abraham uh, and on my face, God Almighty, I wanna be on my face before you and trust that you are God who keeps his promises, makes his covenants and aligns yourself with them, Lord. Like that is one I, what I wanna believe, that there is an alliance of friendship with God that we get to experience through Jesus Christ. I hope that encourages you, probably opens up the door to more questions. And I, I would encourage you to bring those questions before God, ask him for answers, do the study, do the research and see what you can uncover, what God will teach you uh, as you look at this. And, you know, to go back to that point of, as a writer, I would tighten up this passage, but God did not. Uh, God used the word covenant over and over and over again because he was driving home a point that this is his partnership in what he, how he's gonna keep his promises with us. I hope that encourages you. Look forward to seeing you. In our study next time, you can find all the encounter resources at moretobe.com.